Coming up on today's message with Pastor Johnny. Be with them. He says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. The Lord may not promise in baptism to shield us through the sufferings of this life, but he does have a promise that he's going to be close at hand when we endure them. Uh, uh, the Lord doesn't promise that our feet won't get wet, but he does promise that the water's not going to rise up into a tsunami and wash us away. Uh, God Amen. Let's get into the word. Uh, today's message will come from the book of Isaiah, uh, the 43rd chapter. I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. Again, that is Isaiah, the 43rd chapter, um, verses 1 through 7. I'm going to be reading uh, the New International uh, Translation of God's Word. Let's, uh, let's see what it has to say for us today. Amen. Hear ye the word of the Lord. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Pray with me, church. O oh Lord, our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords, and there is none like you, Lord God. We thank you for gathering today to uh, delve into your word. Lord God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, that I find favor with you behind this sacred desk to teach your word. It is in the name above all names, Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. Uh, for the time that we get to spend together today, I'd like to talk a little bit about in good company. In good company. Lately, I've been thinking about what kind of company I keep. Who do I hang around most of the time? You know, I listen to self-help gurus and life coaches and 
you know, motivational speakers, and they all say something around the same thing, that the people you are around, who you hang around, uh, shapes your life. Uh, some will say that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. There are others that say, show me your closest friends and I will show you your future. Many moons ago, I used to uh, lead a drama ministry that was called Peer Pressure. And a lot of the plays, the sketches, the skits that we uh, did during that time uh, focused on how people acted in particular company. Uh, a lot of the things we deal with being around others is crucial to our human experience. Something I learned in pastoral care uh, is about the ministry of presence. Um, you don't always have to say the perfect thing. Sometimes just being there with them is enough. Um, while they're going through a tough time, just being there. When things are good, be with them. When things are bad, be with them even more. Uh, we see uh, a bit of a terrible time going on here in uh, the book of Isaiah. Uh, stop me if you've heard this before, uh, but uh, the people of God have been pulled up from their land and held captive by another regime, uh, put into slavery, uh, removed from their land, uh, having to speak other languages that are not their native tongue and having to do things around other uh, li living life uh, in captivity. And that is when the book of Isaiah is written to people in captivity, people in exile. They are away from their homes and being oppressed. They're being held by the Babylonians away from their homeland. And Isaiah spends the first half of the entire book of Isaiah telling the people how this trouble is their fault, like a true friend should. Hold people accountable for their actions. Isaiah tells the people how they got themselves into trouble, and he tells them frankly. Uh, uh, Dr. Roy Heller, my Old Testament seminary professor, said that the Old Testament is summed up in two succinct phrases. You, you, you do good, you get good, and you do bad, you get bad. And so Isaiah has told them that God told them what they needed to do a long time ago and they didn't do it. And now they're held captive and he's holding them accountable for that. They're in a rough situation and he starts off by telling them, you know, this is your fault, right? You, you, you know, God told you over and over again not to do certain things, but you did them anyway, right? Uh, well, here's what happens. Um, but not only does he tell them, though, that it's their fault. He doesn't stop there. He also tells them how they are going to get 
out of these challenging times. And so by the time we get to about chapter 40, uh, it is it is moved on. By the time we get to chapter 43, where I read it, it's really moved on. But while written in Babylonian exile, Isaiah 43, 1 through 7 is an oracle of redemption and one of the finest examples of classical Hebrew poetry and it's well known. Isaiah says that the redemption the redemption rather uh, for Israel involves Israel's past, present and future. And not only does it involve Israel's past, present and future, it involves others. Uh, the text is written while the people are still suffering. While things are bad, God tells the people through the prophet Isaiah, things will get better. Uh, this reading uh, is what the prophet Isaiah tells us, uh, basically is what baptism promises during our life on this earth. Uh, it doesn't mention the Christian sacrament of baptism, but he does tell them they're going to go what? Through the water. Uh, it, it, it mentions the experience of passing through the waters and where God may be trusted as we do that. Uh, it says, do not fear. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And so when you pass through the waters, I'm going to be with you. When you pass through the rivers, I'm not, you're not going to be overwhelmed. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. The flame shall not consume you. If you want to know why God would be telling the people something that you get the answer in verse 4 where he says that you are precious in my sight and I love you. Uh, Isaiah's words remind them of things. I, 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 I like that it says in verse 1, uh, who created he, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel. I think about that because I think about in the Old Testament when you got to Jacob and his name was changed to Israel, even though his name was changed to Israel, every now and again they called him Jacob in the text. Uh, it went back and forth. There was, there was a duality of this. There was the old man and the new man sort of going back and forth against one of another. And I, I think we can all relate to that. Uh, we, we have some times where we take a couple of steps forward, but it seems like we take a step back. And so this is not only for the ones going forward, but it's also the redemption is for those who may have fell back. And not only is it for those who are going forward and those who may have fallen back, uh, when it says he who created you, Jacob, that's the ancestor. And he who created you, Israel, or who formed you, Israel, that's the nation. So it's both deliverance for the ancestor, the people, and the nation, the people. Just in case there's anything that could be left out, he lets them know. And Isaiah's words remind them of the ancestors. It reminds them of when Moses led the Hebrews through the water to the Sea of Freedom. Uh, and they may not have been there when Moses uh, 
went through there, but the recollection of it is, is powerful here because the people who are listening to this, to being told not to fear not, and you're going to pass through the waters and not be overwhelmed, are in exile in Babylon. And they may not have gone across the Red Sea to get away from the people, but they did cross oceans of sand uh, to go to a miserable place and be at the beck and call of foreign overlords. And so there, in their worst moments, it's very easy to feel just as abandoned. Uh, but the Lord led the ancestors through the, uh, the waters of the Red Sea on their way to claim the promised land, and it is surely a land that is a distant dream to them now. But Isaiah is not giving up on the promise. Isaiah thought about redemption before they were redeemed. Isaiah thought about freedom before they were free. Isaiah thought about the victory before they actually won. Isaiah is not going to abandon that promise. The day will come, he reassures them, where the Lord will lead them back across those waters once again. And this time, they're going to be going in the opposite direction because they're going to be returning home. Ah, uh, yes. And so he claimed, you notice how close the Lord promises to be with them. He says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. The Lord may not promise in baptism to shield us through the sufferings of this life, but he does have a promise that he's going to be close at hand when we endure them. Uh, uh, the Lord doesn't promise that our feet won't get wet, but he does promise that the water's not going to rise up into a tsunami and wash us away. Uh, God promises to accompany us through this life onward into the life beyond, and that should be a thought powerful enough to give us the comfort and strength. Uh, may not have to do the fighting for us, but is going to be with us while we fight. And not only should we expect to have good company, we should also be good company. Uh, we don't just come to church to worship for personal inspiration. We don't just come to receive. We should also come to give. Our presence in the company of other worshipers and pilgrims is, is, is significant to others as well. Our presence in the Christian community week after week praying and singing and offering up gifts is a ministry to others to witness our faith. Amen. It may just be that somebody else sitting next to us or behind us or in front of us or even seeing our name pop up in the online comments is silently in pain, is silently enduring some terrible trouble. And much of the time, we have no way of knowing this or any way of knowing how important it is that a fellow believer sees us, not just us, sees you engaging in worship. You are the only Bible some people will read. You are the only sermon some people may see. And are you giving them a good picture of worship? Are you being good company to them? 
You never know who clicked on the video. You never know who's going to walk into the church. You never know who's going to just drop by because they need something. And you seeing you be able to lift your hands in worship, be able to help them get through whatever trouble they have going on. What if somebody shows up on a Sunday uh, feeling spiritual pain or doubt and instead sees an empty sanctuary or one so empty that the prayers ring hollow and, and, and the singing is lacking joy? Or what if they logged on to the video online and found only a few others there that we'd be failing to perform the Christ-like work of being with people and, and, and making it difficult for our neighbors to remember that when they pass through the waters, God is beside them. We don't just get the good company, we have to be the good company to others. What is your witness? Uh, I'm reminded of a story uh, that I, I heard once, and there was a gentleman that was walking down the road, and he fell into a hole and did not see his way out. And a churchgoer walked by and he said help 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 me out the hole and the church goer said I'm going to be late to church I'm gonna keep on going but the Lord bless you and keep you I hope you get out the hole I'm praying for you brother next walking by was a pastor and he said help Help me get out the hole. And the pastor said, oh, well, the Lord commanded you to be the head and not the tail and above and never be shanee. The God is going to give you the power to get out of that hole. And then he wrote some scriptures on a piece of paper and threw them down the hole. And he went on by his way. But the man was still in the hole. But then the man's friend came by and he saw him in the hole. He said, oh, man, I'm in the hole. Can you help me out? And the man and his friend looked at him, backed up from there, and jumped in the hole with him. And the man said, you idiot. Why did you jump into this hole with me? Now it's two of us in the hole. You could have at least went and got the police or the fire department to help out. And the friend said, be quiet. I've been in this hole before. And I know how to get out of the hole. Sometimes you need somebody who's going through the situation with you to be able to get you out of that situation. That is how you be good company because we have the best company of all when we have it in Christ Jesus because he's gone through the way that we've gone through and he's done some things that we may not have done before and he's going to be able to see us out of those problems. He is going to be the best company we have ever had. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open, and we invite you to come. Pray with me, church. God, we thank you, we honor you, we bless your holy name. We thank you for this time together in your word. For those who heard it and those who hear it later, for those who've seen it and those who will see it later, that they'll be like Nicodemus was and a desire to know Jesus Christ and the pardoning of their sins and ask, what must I do to become saved? Lord God, restore all that is lost to us. 
Let this word be a seed that is planted in good soil and produces a great harvest for your kingdom. 30, 60, 100 fold. It is in the darling son, Jesus the Christ name that we submit this prayer. Amen. Thank you so much for watching this video. Please be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and share. Don't forget to connect with me on social media, Pastor Johnny Simpson Jr. on Facebook, at Pastor J. Simp Jr. on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks again for watching and God bless.